Oosterbeek, Holland, September 20th, 1944. The British perimeter outside the city of Arnhem was steadily shrinking. Four days after dropping north of the Rhine, the paratroops and glider men of the 1st Airborne Division were running critically short of supplies and men. The Germans were massing their forces, and it seemed they would crush the perimeter before 30th Corps, the ground portion of the Market Garden Offensive, could reach them. With nowhere to go, the airborne troops did what they had been trained to do, defend the airhead in Monty's Gamble. Hello everybody, welcome to uh, ASL Extra. It's been a little while since we've done one. We're going to try and do um, several maybe this summer. It is June 27th, 2009, Saturday afternoon, and I will play... The British Defender, since it's at my house, and I'll set up right now. And coming over in a little bit will be Ron Schatz. He's a new player that joined my PAASL Thursday Night Squad Leader Club. And he'll be coming tonight. We're playing uh, S23, Monty's Gamble. I'm going to look at the uh, board. I got out board U. So again, the first thing I do, this is for you starter kit players, or for anyone to listen to this podcast, I suppose. Um, we're setting up, the British sets up first. Then you look at your board configuration, you set it up so you have north going the right way. Only hexes playable are A through P. I do see that I will have four elite squads, two crews for the two anti-tank guns, a 9-neg-1, two 8-neg-1s, it's a lot of leadership, uh, LMG, and a Piat. The victory conditions, oh, I will set up on or between rows D and 0. I mean O, <laughs> they're numbers, not letters. Between D and O, so that's in the city area on this board. It's got a couple of low hills and some tree-lined streets, stone buildings, wood buildings up on that hill. Interesting. I look to see that the Germans enter on the east edge and to win they exit 17 victory points off the west edge. So I turn the board so I'm sitting on the west edge so Ron can look at it as he enters on the east edge. The east edge would face him. Each Armor fighting vehicle with a functioning main armament exited is worth seven victory points. Six victory points if it exited without a functioning main armament. Each squad exited is worth two. Each half squad is worth one. Each neg one single man counter is worth two. And each zero single man counter or plus one single man counter is worth one victory point. In a full ASL game, you would not need to have those victory, uh, the points victory points listed because that's all given in the rules section but it seems like they're about the same in fact they are the same as a full ASL game so look at that starter kit players you're already learning some um, full ASL rules so so since the British sets up between D and O that gives me a lot of room to set up I also then look and see that Ron has four, six squads. Six squads, that's two points each, that's 12 points. A half squad, one point, so that's 13. And then three points of leaders. So 
So I think that's about 16 points. It's not enough to win without a tank getting off. So he's going to have to get a tank off. So if I can kill all those tanks, that's going to guarantee the game. Now, our problem is we don't haven't played starter kit three basic rules. Um, so we're going to be hoping we do this all correctly, but the strategies would all remain the same, and that's the main purpose of doing an extra episode. Looking for the guns, you've got a places you want to hit these tanks. It has, uh, first of all, look at your gun. It's got a rate of fire of three on it. That's really great. It's a 57L gun, using the, only the charts from the starter kits, not the uh, full ASL. It has high explosives, limited high explosive ammunition. So this is really designed to kill tanks. The number on the back, HE7, in February of 43. So after February of 1943, if you rolled a 7 or less, you could fire that ammunition. It jumps to an 8 and 44 plus. So this is 1944. It's a good chance of having some high explosives, but I'm going to basically try and use these to knock out tanks. It is a quick setup gun. It will move quickly around the board, but I don't think you're going to have time to be moving this thing. Um, its kill number is at a range of 0 to 1. It is a 16, and APDS ammunition. Yeah, it has that after January of 44, and this is September of 44, so there's a 6 or less chance. You could bump up your kill number to a 19, it says on the chart here, at 0 to 1 hexes. And then it's a 16 to kill at 2 hexes, it drops to a 15 at range of 3 to 6 hexes. And that's about as far as out as we need to go. 7 to 12 is also a 15 and an 18 for the special ammo. So, looking at his tanks, their armor frontal armor is an 8, and the side shot is a 3. I like to get side shots. But, you could penetrate these things also from the front, these tanks, because you take your 16 to kill number, or 15, so let's say it's a 15 at 3 to 6 hexes, or 3 to 12 hexes actually, and minus the frontal armor, seven or less to kill. I'd like a side shot. So places to set this up are places you know he's got to go through to exit. And I can see that um, they won't give me row C to set up on. I would love to put it in C3 facing hex C7 and beyond, but uh, I could put it in D2. Now if I put it there he can sneak around the back, but I could turn and fire it through the brush. If I put it in D2, facing covered arc C3 and D3, that might give me some nice side shots as he's trying to exit the board. He could also fire it through the woods all the way out to maybe to B10. I haven't pre-checked any lines of sights here. B8, B9, it looks like. Um, certainly hexes A as he's exiting. So that's not a bad spot. I'll sit that there for right now. That means I can want to cover my other gun. I might put it in 
Well, I don't know. I'd like to have them both kind of be supporting each other. If I could put it in D7 in the building. Danger is infantry coming up E8 can jump down on it pretty easily, take it out. But other places might be in I8, getting a side shot on hex I9 and anything out that way. Anything trying to go behind the hill. Uh, I like I3, um, better spots. Problem with those two positions is you can't cover I6 very well if the tanks try and shoot between the two buildings. So, better spot might be H7 and I3 combination. Yeah, got a lot of possibilities out here. It's also, sometimes I like to stick them on the edges like J0 or J10. Those tend to work well. If you put it in J1, boy, that gives you a nice shot, doesn't it? All the way across that road. That might work, too. If you can keep him away from those buildings. It's only a five-turn game. For now, I'm going to leave him where I put him. D2 and D7. Then you're looking at your infantry. I lay out my four squads. I give one a light. I give one a piat. The two crews, of course, go with the guns. I'm assuming these guns can be hidden initial place. That may not be true in a starter kit. If it's not, all these still might be good places for these guns. I'll be afraid to shoot through there. But i got to protect these things with infantry. So if I can keep... The German, boy, with only four squads, this is tricky. He can surround me and cut me off. If I go further up, if I set up on, I can go as, up there as far as O. The good thing about hitting him up there is he has to has limited ability to enter the hexes. If you hit him at P2, P3, and he breaks, where can he route to? That's a good question. Otherwise, I can concede that area to him and try and fight a more of a defense back here around I, row I. Well, now that I'm looking at this, I don't like the placement of my guns. If I put infantry and three... And four, they've got some route ability back to the K building, but the tanks can flank them. Put an infantry squad. I think I'm not going to try and hold that area around N6 and P7 and N7. What about a squad with a light machine gun in K7? Piat as an anti-tank weapon. Kill numbers, really you're looking at a range of 1, a 9, range of 2, a 7, range of 3, a 5. So, not going to penetrate the front armor. Piat's got to get a side shot. It can't be hidden. So it can be uh, used to keep him from trying to move around the flank. If you put 
that guy in M3. He cuts off M4, M1, and M2 from any vehicle trying to shoot around. But that leaves open this other side. And that's the case. Then you may want to move an anti-tank gun up into J10. Anti-tank gun in J10. That covers the other side. Your leadership. I like to keep... Uh, 8 neg 1 back around K4 or K5. He's going to be the rally point for any squads that break. And put one in an 8 neg 1 with the LMG K7. Or the 9 neg 1 with the LMG. And an 8 neg 1 maybe directing the Piat. In M3. I'll uh, look at this for a moment and see what I think. Alright, looking at this again, I think this is kind of risky to set up up front like that. But he has to enter turn one on the east edge. I think he doesn't have a lot of places to go. I'm going to put a anti-tank gun in J1. Covered arc. J2, K2, and hope he'll cover anyone trying to get around the back of these troops. And then I'm going to move an anti-tank gun back to D2. And try and use him to cut off the end game exit of the vehicles. D2 covered arc at C4 there or C3, D3 two different ways to designate your covered arc looking at the special rules though they do say that 9 neg 1 can modify one of the guns so I'm going to put it on J1 moving the 8 neg 1 leader off of M3 with a Piat moving him to K7 with the LMG and then leaving the rest set up. So I have N3458, N4458, M2, I'm sorry, M3, the Piat in a 458, and K7458, 8 neg 1 LMG, K4, and 8 neg 1. All these guys are hidden, so I'm going to write down every one on a piece of paper and take them off the board. I think that's going to slow Ron down a lot. So I'll turn it over to Ron Schatz. All right. Hello. Monty's Gamble. Plain Germans. You need to exit through the British. You need to get through the South Southshire Regiment. Interesting enough in a starter kit. Everything is uh, hit initial placement for the British. So he's all set up and there's no counters. Not quite what I was expecting for a starter kit, but just as challenging. We're going to break up our team into a single point to go through, I'm thinking the P8, anywhere between P8, 9, and 7. Around the, um, essentially, uh, what is that? 
east south south edge of the board. We're going to try to make a line up the south of the board so this way we don't uh, split our forces up and have him shoot us up piecemeal. I'm going to try to use a, a, a light infantry lead uh, with the 447s, uh, followed up with the Stu late models, and then bring up the 105 behind them, and then pull up the primary infantry in line and a flanking protection move from there, and hopefully we can support each other all the way up. So I will set that up in that order, and I'll call Dave down and get moving. This is going to be interesting, I'll hit an initial placement. Dave's off to get his son. We're at the end of the first turn, or end of the first German turn. The infantry moved up, took some fire, got pinned, then he started rolling hot. We lost two squads in the open at different areas. Quite impressive. Uh, we moved up our tanks to K8 for one of the two gals. L7 for the second still uh, L pointed at K7 where a single infantry group is with a light machine gun that killed the two squads outright. Uh, the Stug H-42 is moved through the uh, buildings to M-6, faced straight down the road almost. We reveal a single squad at building N-4 for the British, and our infantry moved up into P-5 had gotten pinned with a half squad at 06 uh, successfully moved a squad and machine gun leader into N6 also moved the uh, a squad machine gun and the 8-1 to M7 supported by a CX single 7 or 447 at N7 okay I hope that the uh, tanks can lay down enough pain fire during the next phase and uh, get us a line of uh, movement without killing any more squads outright. Um, oh, we also tried to shoot our guns and the F Stug 3L uh, broke its gun on a 12. The other two guns almost broke their guns on 11s and 10s. Hopefully our repair number is better than it had been in past games. Talk to you much sooner. All right, it's the end of the German second turn, and this game is going so fast now we thought we'd better report in. The British have revealed the gun at J1. It fired down the street, missing the first tank and missing a second tank. Actually, the first tank, I let it go by me because it didn't have an SN anymore. Ron ran out of the smoke. And a primary gun. And a primary gun, so I thought that would be a good target to close combat if you ever left it alone without infantry. Then I have a K4... I have a 458 and then a 458 with a Piat and an 8 neg 1 liter. And up in N4, I still have a 458. And my infantry is getting left behind quickly. Because Ron has a Stu 42 in F7. 105. Motion. The Stug, Stug 75L, E9, and one in F9. F9 is the one that broke the gun and... Um, ran out of the SN number, but G9, he's got a squad with a light and an 8 neg 1, CX'd in G9, 
and a broken squad H7 with a good order leader and a light uh, 447 in K9, a 467 in K7 with a light, and the half squad in L7 under some smoke that he placed. Um, so he is shot by on this left side, and we will, Ron, you want to say anything now? Well, we've had excellent dice roll. Uh, we had, where he had gotten us early in the early turn, we had gotten him back, uh, we had gotten, what, that one, eight, one with a squad oh, in yeah. the open at uh, J6, where you went around the corner, and the, uh, the 105 went to hit him one time, and just hit him, but only pinned him, and the other tank pinned him as well. But then I intensified the 105, and we rolled a critical hit, and uh, wiped out everything in that hex. So it pretty much left that um, that lane to jump down, and I'm not waiting for him to re reconceal it. So we're trying to make a fast run with the leaders and uh, taxi these guys down the down the end of the board. We'll yep. See what he's got waiting for me at the back side here. Yep. Sadly, that did eliminate. That's where my other squad, my leader, my and my light went. Gone, vapoed. So we're gonna go on and continue playing. End of turn two, the British turn. Yep. I moved the gun from J1 to F3. Covered arc is facing hex E5. I moved the gun from hidden D2 to C4. Covered arc hex is B5. I ran the Piat. Squad made it running around from K4 into J2 and down the road he ends up in D4 ready to advance. Oh, we didn't advance. Advancing into C5 ready to try a flukish side shot. And the uh, other squad went from N4 to K3 and he's advanced into J3 trying futilely cut off the road just in case any of Ron's troops make it across there to exit the board. And Ron's troops were all where they were. He did bust a guy in J2 that was with the leader and the Piat guy as they tried to get around the corner there. His shot from K7 took him out. Otherwise, it was a pretty well free run of movement. So we will continue turn three. See if he's got the back. All right, it's the end of Ron's turn, and I think well, this is a stupid scenario. <laughs> It's totally stupid. Poor Dave. No, I blew it. Uh, I played it as a football game. I played it as a definite <laughs> football game, this one here. Well, you kept your infantry with your vehicles until the last turn, so that was good. Beginning players, always keep some infantry support with your tank. Yeah. Uh, Ron took one side of the board. I think that was a good idea. Yeah, that was my intent. Like I said, to keep it, keep all my groups as once as ways attacking one group and so I'm 100% force instead of having 50% of my guys. He could easily take my guys out, which he did early on. It was a little demoralizing, but says, no, we can keep it going. Yeah, because all you needed was the three tanks, and I really thought I'd get at least two of these tanks eliminated. One thing Ron did not do, and I think you should have done, but it ended up saving you a tank, was when he stopped at K8. Yeah, in there. He, I think typically players will go into J7 and get the squad surrounded so they can't route. I was route. considering exiting. Yeah. And there was no point that I was actually in route before. Yeah, so I often you'll see players, but I would recommend well, you players. Were, this is a, that J7 was also in line of sight of his unrevealed gun at the time. 
Correct. And it was an avenue of approach that would slice the board in half. So I didn't consider that because of... Oh, a of, fear of, of the that. gun? I mean, I'm respectful of the guns. Oh, okay. I mean, I, I take piats and take tigers out all the time, so... And when you place your guns, uh, you look for ways, like I did, to cover hexes your opponent often will try and get into to attack your infantry. My big mistake was I should have had one also in J10. Mm. Yeah. One or the because other. He because what I, my hugest mistake was both my guns are on my left side. Yeah, 50-50 there. I mean, if I would have split my forces up, my one, ha my one half of the force would have just completely got stalled out and never made it. The other side would have, might have tried to come over and support it and got suckered into a, a duel with his guns. I was trying to look at the avoidance technique. I, was, I looked at earlier on uh, going across the top of the mountains this way, the hill, mountain at this time yeah and not be able to be seen i think he might have been placing it f5 or in f6 in the open might have been a possibility or e8 e8 for the gun. e8 is nice because it covers good. the road you know, anybody coming across the top. and the hill mm -hmm. the real problem in this game also is uh and ron used his the modifiers of less than one movement point in the fire's line of sight on your target base to hit chart. Yeah, don't get shot at. Use that well. It kept me from seeing things. So even if you place an E8, an opponent might move up a tank. Well, they probably wouldn't go up and down the hill. G10 to F10 to E10 to Not D10. Not four movement points mm. crack. Yeah, so I think E8 helps seal off that hill better. And well, once you get across this, let's shoot at these things too and not have so you can go across the board. And E8 might also end up with some kind of sneaky shots into J8 or I9, maybe. Or when E7. Checking it. Yeah, also it goes all the way down to J5 and can cut yep. off the tank, who may turn around to, again, I set up my squads around M4 in that building cluster. Uh, I expected Ron also to move a tank maybe to J5 or J3 to get to cut off my route of all my squads. You need to be here. Boy, E8 would pick off J5 just beautifully. Maybe this will be helpful for our listeners. You will, what you did is your infantry, I got lucky and exposed almost all your infantry in the first turn or the second half. Yeah, I didn't have enough on the right you were flank. In the front of, you were leading this edge too much. You need to use the hidden, the, the new hidden placement. I mean, the blind board going in scared, Yeah. going hip, and putting a poison pill, uh, pick Mark used to say, put a poison pill and let somebody try to bypass, like put one squad in M5. Well, there's no bypass for starter, but... but well, in other words, hopefully somebody goes around him completely and, and never, never touches. Them. And then you put all your infantry from I back and then have one infantry unit that hopefully never got ran, ran into and then start exposing. You really make it nervous. I mean, use the hidden placement as a guesswork and not expect me to run through you. Once I knew where you were... It's hit the wide open board. Hit, hit the turbochargers and wide go open. where you're not. Yep, and I didn't have enough on the right flank. Although I do still, you know, my strategy was to to break the German and hold them back there in the P line. Uh, more effectively, Ron put everyone on the side that I did not put enough squads on either. But uh, I do think Ron is correct with the keeping some guys hidden is that scare fear factor. Yeah, but so when you got to run, you got to run. Um, had I had someone in N6, N7, I might have been able to tie up the German first move into turn two and possibly turn three. Uh, so it's, I think it's a strategy worth thinking about. But, yeah, I think falling back 
behind, doing a defense behind J4. And, or based out of this hill center. Right. And I in my, in my mind, I was going to be falling back from the M4 cluster into the hill center and mm-hmm. never got there because of the right side got destroyed so quickly. And again, I didn't have a gun over there. Had I had one gun over there, it might have been enough to take out a tank right. or two. E8 would have been here. Anywhere. Yeah. Anywhere on the right flank. Yeah. You know, even L... Get gutsy L8 if I was doing that forward defense. L8 would have helped. Yeah, that would have been. In this well, case. You wouldn't have been able to turn your, the, the turning in a building. But with a rate of fire three. Spent. Boy, I've seen <laughs> guns, right? Do that. Keep rate. No no plus next shot. Next rate. Another shot. So anything can happen. And often your, your guns are firing on defensive fire, right? Which is I always like that. I prefer defense. Then they get to go again and prep. So Guns? Yeah, they do. They're nice. I'm always moving. I never cut the no prep fire. No prep fire for you. So no, yeah, we uh, <laughs> tried to do a running end game with the the uh, what J1 ran his gun all the way down to to F3, F3. for that last stab. Turned too late, and I didn't quite realize how high the modifiers would be. I really thought from D2 I could nail a tank in B8, A10, A9. I thought easily actually. Roll the five. I. Didn't real I forgot about the um, extra pluses for in the line of sight. Yeah, you know, that's that hurts bad. That's so I so I think also players right run. You always want to get a, a pretty as wide open a field of fire as you can for a gun because you can see the tank for more hexes. Yeah, which ends up on this board is putting you on the hill. Yeah, because those two little hills right um, they, really do uh, constrict you. Yeah, as you play the game, you understand never to move in the open. That's how I lost the two squads here. Um, I was hoping that instead of killing them outright in the in in the early game or M M eight, where you kill you kill them outright, you I, the I was hoping you would have broke them, so this way the guys behind would have been able to run behind that. Mm-hmm. And says, oh. and so, but you didn't. You killed them outright, so I had to run the one guy out to O nine, mm-hmm. and you got another hot shot. And yeah. thankfully no. your hot shots. No, it's risky, but that's the only thing I had over there to fire. So, which was a pretty poor setup. Obviously, now that I'm looking at it, we can't deploy in this game. In the regular ASL, you would have deployed full squads to uh, half squads, half squads, and run a thinner line because yep. those half squads, two two up, two down, two is still devastating. Yeah, in fact, I set up quick uh, today. No excuses, but I I was going to deploy. In fact, you know what? I I totally ignored it because of the time. I was like, oh, I don't want to look up if they can deploy or not. So No, I don't try to call. You don't deploy in starter kit. We don't think you do. We could be wrong, listeners. You would probably know better than us, you starter kit players. But anyway, we put this out here so get some guys looking at it strategically, talk about some different ways to play it. And Start at 12 or 1.30 or 12.30. 12.30, it's 3 o'clock or yeah. 3.05. So it's a two-and-a-half-hour game. Good game to play on a Tuesday night. It's a bear impressive. Club night, Thursday night game, right? And how about an interview, Ron? How long have you been playing uh, games in general? I've been playing since um, just after high school in uh, 1980. Didn't know games like this existed until we went to a hobby store after seeing all these model kits of cars. And I did models all my life through that area. And then these other cool boxes of stuff. You know, and, and D&D was very interesting. You could do that type of thing. Before it was just stri- strictly imaginary. Get the guys in the sandbox and it says, okay, he shoots him, he shoots him, he's dead, he's dead. You know, no rules. So it's always a good time just thinking of what's going on and what the Hollywood movie stuff goes, you know. Explosions here, hand grenades there. We've been playing um, D&D for a long, 
for, for about three years after that, and then got into AS uh, Squad Leader. When we came in the same group of uh, D&Ders, what this box is? This is a box of Squad Leader. And uh, exposed it on the uh, Hoffman Estates Wargamers Guild. that used to meet up in Bogley Barn uh, in uh, 72, every Friday night games. And uh, Squad Leader was uh, up there all the time, and Doug Maston would uh, have two sets, one he'd keep and one he'd save. And he was teaching us uh, scenario one on how to use these squads, and it was it was interesting. And since then, we went and got a little more games, and then just played a whole bunch of other wide gamut of stuff just because interest. So, any questions besides? And that the, was um, the original squad leader you said. That was squad leader. So that was the commissar's house or something those first scenarios oh it was the one where they had a pre-set up and everything. scenario one where you only started in the the factory or fight for the early part of the factory it was okay. like scenario one was yeah the, the tractor works that's yeah it. this tractor works series yeah uh, right there was the two and si- uh-huh. the yeah side. i love them three love was them. both the teams together, together yeah classic flamethrowers wow well, that's cool burning people up in a oh god and then after that we went into the just collected ASL, but never really had any players in my area after four years of that in the standard game problem. Having all these cool games, but not enough people uh, of interest that understood how to play it or had the time or want to play the game. Yeah, that's always challenging. So you would collect the game, and thankfully ASL was a, a really good for collectors because you could sort your counters in numerous ways, in numerous containers, uh, the drawer systems for a while and heaven forbid to take that out of the house you just didn't want to <laughs> <laughs> hit the brakes and too that precious the, oh yeah too dangerous <laughs> to resort that out of the car I mean, it's like one guy had said he had done that on the game squad board he says uh eh. hit the brakes and the whole thing went over all 10 modules were on the back seat of his back floor and back seat and oh yikes <laughs> But I guess the guy said he enjoyed refiling it. I mean, my brother doesn't play much, but he likes the game for filing purposes. <laughs> what is this C4 corner cutter? And he says, what does it do? He says, well, it does this. Says, do you really need to cut your counters? Well, maybe. <laughs> maybe we can cut them up. Yeah, I guess I'm lucky I've got so many people to game with. In fact, it was an interesting story for this week, and I, I was trying to get Jeff Friday to finish a game we had going up there, and then mm-hmm. Saturday afternoon with Jack to do a play test for Hakapale, and was even considering tonight, trying to, but that would have been insane. My wife's gone for the weekend. I need to take care of the kids somewhat. <laughs> but with all the gamers around, um, I know you and Tim couldn't do Thursday, so we're going to do another play test, or I mean, uh, recording another show on Monday night. Right. So I didn't want to call you right away, because I know I got you Monday. And Jack couldn't make it, his baseball problems. Rick Hounder couldn't make it, baseball problems. Dave's on vacation. Jeff was busy with work. Um, I talked to Bob Holmstrom, was busy playing other people, so he couldn't take the extra day to play. I was going through a list like crazy. No one oh, could make man, it. man, I'm on the bottom of the list. No, because you were the first on the list to go for Monday night. So I got you and Tim arranged first. That was the first step. Well, I try to, to help when I show. can. I mean, well, I'm glad you could make it out. And I, we're trying to get this hobby up and rolling. I mean, I'm doing trying to do map cartography work, and um, uh, Dan used to work with, come with the, to the club. He's now down in uh, Tampa Bay area. Yeah. So right. he's actually with the Schwerpunkt guys and doing their play testing. Down oh, he with is. Them. Okay. And he recently called me and said, "How much to to produce those map boards that I showed when I first came in? Right. How much? And I finally got a printer to tell me how much. And I said, hmm. So Schwerpunkt is considering maybe." A combo, combo thing, but uh, 
Right now, I'm, I'm looking at maybe producing just the maps alone and see what we can do with them and if I can come up with enough capital someplace. Yeah, in fact, I, wanted to, I did want to talk about the map making also because the first time Ron came out to the club, he like, walked in with these homemade maps, yeah, computer-made. Yeah, stuff here. And they were really neat. You had a, va a river valley with multiple levels. Well, similar to what um, Heat of Battle did. Heat of Battle had the hilltop uh, group, and there was two geomorphic maps that... I didn't realize where he made until after I made these. I have that high ground. High ground. Yeah. High ground. I have that. And I haven't those, played any yet, but I have. Those, those two maps go together, so they make one large hill. I had, didn't know they existed. I, that's what I had done with the product. Is to, how am I going to put the one edge? Well, obviously the mountain maps, or the, I call them the mountain maps, MT maps, they would have to go to each other. And I've got four of five of them, actually, that go up with the different hilltops. So they blend up on the hillside of different areas. One side's got a river side, river valley on the one edge of the map that blends into a standard ASL geomorph map. So, and there's two of those, so they can go end for end and have a common uh, a mountain valley stream. If you've, when I remember driving through a lot of mountain stuff in the Rockies and even in the Yukon territories and Alaska, there's always these darn streams and this flat yeah. little flood area and then this little itty bitty creek thing that goes back and forth for like maybe 50 or 20 yards wide. Or as narrow as, you know, two feet wide, a little trickle thing all over. So I've got it so it snakes through there. And we, a friend of mine, Dan and I, we took the four boards we had, and because we went quarters, we put them opposite corners. And it made a wonderful valley, a Y valley issue, to where there was a valley, a high side, went down across the stream and back up to the mountainside, so you can actually have these dueling covered arcs from a, uh, a, a nest to cover down, and then also the boards actually ended up winding off with a mountainside in the middle. So the stream went one way, but then there was a, a, a draw, a large draw that went up another way that put a, a third mountain set between these valleys, and the, the arcs were, were, were fun. So we're going to try to come up with some kind of um, scenarios to work with these guys, and that's really the big trick. That's why the, the high ground maps didn't do, aren't doing so well, because nobody's ever truly written scenarios for them. And who wants to use them? Because, well, I can't play. Design your own. Who, who takes the time to design your own anymore, other than the, the scenario designers themselves? Right. And so Chapter H is pretty deep, and the game's intimidating enough, isn't it? Yeah, well, I can't believe all these people do make all these games, scenarios. They got no players, so they play. But yeah, well, I think that's what got us started on this, right? Was I? I have all these players around. I have no time to spend designing anything or sorting my counters out. Yeah, I'm always playing or painting miniatures. So you're on the practical side of it. You're Pretty on my practical. side. I was yeah, took us four, what a week and a half to, to study it and make those five maps plus an extreme mountain map, an eleven level. Um, almost escarpment style, similar to what uh, Board 25 or West of Alamein's escarpment. Right, yeah. That, that same kind of thought to put this really tall map that you can put a standard map on one edge of it and then go down 10 levels and then go to another standard map to show you extreme terrain like in uh, the Italy for, I'm hoping for Rivera Ridge and part of the 10th Mountain uh, engagements where the 10th Mountain came in after... Was, only went into Italia Itali for like what? Two months they were there. The the rest of that, is that the, the French the, the, unit or the no? It's an it's American Tenth Mountain unit. Okay. Um, for mountain training, they were Hollywood stars for the most part. 
but the rest of the infantry, the Fifth Army, if I recall, was had been in uh, Italy for for quite some time, what thirteen or thirteen or fourteen months prior to them coming in. Okay. So they've been ground down a lot through Casino, uh, all through the Gothic line and stuff. Right. Just just hard work. And the mountain guys, well, hey, they don't know what it means to get shot at, but once or twice, and they finally, you know, get in there and they, they do the job because they don't know how crazy it is. I mean, they took the greatest losses, but they didn't know, they didn't understand the, the greatest percentage of losses, but not as much as overall the, the whole army had taken. But they were too young and, and gung-ho to really realize just how bad it was at the time. But they were, but the war was over what, two or three months after they had come in. So okay. They didn't know what it means to stand in a, in a long right, campaign. Right, campaign. See fiber. Yeah. So. But, yeah, the boards were really neat to see. And, um, yeah, I understand what you're saying about the high ground thing. I guess so it came with scenarios. But so I guess when I get around to playing those, there, people aren't writing new ones for it. Yeah, it would be very limited. But it was great work you did, so I hope maybe someone can make use of that. Yeah, I get them out there. I mean, how much would they be worth to people? That's always the question. Yeah. So we can come up with a... And I'm sure we couldn't sell them for $5 a piece. That would be nice, but... Right. Uh, Get someone to design... How many would we need it? to print? Yeah, yeah, it's all <laughs> stuff you don't... Know. Like those t-shirts, we're, we're fine. we have three left, and I'm glad that we got rid of those. And I, so Jeff at one point said, go ahead and order more then. I said, no, I don't think so, because I think most people that want one have one. Let's wait a year. Or do the um, pre-order. Uh, Again, do your yeah. own do your own half squads pre-order. Oh, yeah, which actually we did. And the one podcast we said, please email us. Let us know if you're interested. I think the response was only five, but we sold well, ten at a, at a tournament. Well, tournament. you will you will sell quite a bit at a tournament, especially if they know that's coming up. Because if I if they were there and I had money at the time yeah. and they were my size, yes. Well, we're going to go larger on the size next time, well, and we're not getting any mediums. We yeah, have there's five mediums and only like yeah five mediums and only we still have one left. So. Not going to do that again, I think. Get it for our kids. He says, here, son, drive the... What's World War Two? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what happened there, Dad, Grandpa? Oh, man. Well, we'll wrap it up here, and I'll see you again next week. And listeners, you can look Monday. for... if every, Oh, Monday, right? Monday. If everything goes correctly, we'll put up another one with Tim and Ron playing each other, and I will be the neutral commentator this time. Yeah, no, no, no stress. <laughs> Just... Well, roll low, and may May the the dice dice be be with with you, you, but not not when you're playing us. Bye-bye, everybody.